0: The sober, curious movement is gaining traction in this country, which I am reminded of at the start of every year with all of the dry January posts. And if you need to reassess your relationship with alcohol, please, by all means. But on behalf of alcohol producers, I feel compelled to say a few words about how a neo-prohibition movement, no matter how small, must not negate the love, respect, and passion that cider makers, winemakers, brewers, distillers, fermenters, all have for the beverages that they produce. These professionals have an avid dedication to the craft, and they are very aware that it comes with great responsibility. Let's go! Hello! Welcome to Courage and Other Sea words I'm your host, Jen Root Martel, and thank you so much for joining me today. And happy 2023, all. Wow. Just I feel every year. I can't believe it's been yet another year. <laughs> and I know it's said with little ones that the days can feel really long, but then the months and the years go really quickly. And so there has been, I think, a little bit of that, especially here at the end of the year, where things just sort of flew. But Here's to a new year and a fresh start and whatever you make of the changing of the guard every January. I know 2022 was definitely a crazy year for us, uprooting our family to move back east, living with parents for eight months while we impatiently waited for a house to be built in Maine and and of course, closing down our beloved cider company in a matter of weeks this past fall. So a lot of emotional and geographic roller coasters that I would like to think All of that builds character and was worth the journey in the end. And I do believe that. I do believe that. And the new year is not only a reflection of the year before, looking back at all the good things, all the bad things, things you could have changed. But I know it's also a great time to look at the year ahead. What improvements can be made? What things might you do a little differently just to make the next year even better? And New Year's Resolution's especially in this country, are such a big thing. If for anything, as a good conversation starter during the holidays, if you have nothing else to talk to your family about. But reflection, I believe, wherever you stand, is never really a bad thing. I personally know that I would like to focus a lot more time and energy on this podcast if I can find it. I want to make sure that I can actually keep with the recording schedule Recruiting some awesome speakers, honing in on my audience and content to make sure it is the best that I can produce. Sorry again for missing Christmas week episodes, got a little overwhelmed with holidays. Keeping the little one safe, challenged, and engaged is, of course, highest on that list. Focusing a little more, of course, on health and fitness its never a bad one to have on the radar. So in general, I feel like mine are pretty typical resolutions, nothing too crazy. So here I am, surfing the social platforms, looking at how I could better market my content. Also checking in, of course, as usual, on how our business friends are doing and just the alcohol industry in general. And on top of mine is the fact that our former home of the SF Bay area is being deluged by water like never before right now. And it's affecting the whole area. And I'm so sorry to see the flooding, the rain and the trees blowing over. It's it's so bad for those living there. It's so bad for the businesses. I know several friends who've had to close the doors for f- several nights unexpectedly just because the weather was so bad. There's a couple that are just totally submerged. and They're not even sure when they're going to get back online. California has always had some really gnarly weather or I guess I could say lack of weather with just really fierce droughts that we've had recently. But it was usually somewhere else kind of impacting someone else. So for those listening from the Bay Area, I, we're thinking about you guys. Keep your heads up. I hope you can keep the water out and the lights on through all of this. It's just another challenge, and I know you'll make it through, but, you know, whatever we can do, hit me up. So besides the storm series of the century happening on the other coast, I'm seeing another trend. A hell of a lot of dry January posts. And they're coming from what seems a very wide variety of people, which I find really interesting. So it's influencers, bloggers, people who work in the bar industry, friends in general. And this seems to be a relatively recent phenomenon, not necessarily the giving up alcohol for the whole month of January, but doing it formally and like very loudly on social media. And I know it, it's, I get it. You detox, you know, clear out your systems, especially after the relatively predictable celebratory excesses of the holiday season. But if you haven't heard the temperance movement that I spoke about in history episodes just last year as having a crushing effect on cider in the 1920s is actually upon us yet again. And I think some would even comfortably make the statement that it never fully went away in the first place. The Washington Post Writes, in 2017, wine consumption shrank for the first time in more than two decades. And in 2021, according to a Gallup survey, just 60% of Americans reported drinking any alcoholic beverages, which at 60% is down from 65% only two years earlier and tied for the lowest level in two decades. So not only are fewer adults drinking, but those who do are actually consuming less. And in that same Gallup survey, Americans who drink, said that they consumed 3.6 drinks per week, which is also the lowest level in 20 years. And Google searches for the term non-alcoholic rose in both 2021 and 2022. And each year, millions of Americans participate in dry January. And this, quote, sober, curious movement has swelled its ranks in the last decade. Not only with the rise of people looking at cutting back or taking alcohol out of their lives completely, but also in this explosion of just non-alcoholic beverage brands. According to the Washington Post again, an adult non-alcoholic beverage association was actually organized and launched in 2021 and currently includes 65 companies. I know I see this athletic brewing non-alcoholic brand everywhere now, which wasn't even a thing a few years ago, I feel. And when I was doing all those tastings at Total Wine, There was a market increase over the years of the number of people, well, just in general, mistaking me for a store employee, but then also asking me where the non-alcoholic section was. And I actually got pretty good after a while of being able to point them in the right direction. But it was telling. And I totally get it. As, of course, you know, alcohol is a controlled substance in this country. You sometimes get carded even if you buy kombucha with a 0.5% alcohol by volume at the grocery store. And it is highly regulated because not only is it highly addictive, but in large quantities, it also greatly impedes your ability to do pretty much anything. It's scary. And yes, I'm going to say it. Excessive consumption of alcohol can also lead to high blood pressure, stroke, pancreatitis, liver disease, liver cancer, mouth cancer, head and neck cancer, breast cancer. It's scary stuff. And personally... I was actually fairly late to the alcohol party amongst my friends growing up. It was sort of around high school, meh, but then college, of course, was just a freaking open door to all things alcohol between sorority recruitment, frat parties, general social engagements. I was very, very against it for as long as I could hold out because when I was young, I actually had a cousin die of asphyxiation one night because he had consumed too much alcohol in college. And though I didn't know him that well... It was close enough to make a very big impression on me. And later on, obviously when I was much older, we unexpectedly lost a dear member of the family to the effects of prolonged alcohol addiction. It is still a gaping hole in our family tree that elicits our heartbreak regularly. And addiction in many forms runs strong in my family. So I waded into the drinking world gently and with great caution always concerned with how I would personally handle it. And as far as kind of going dry myself, I know every now and then over the years, I would take a bit of a break from alcohol, especially if I had had a particularly celebratory march with my St. Patrick's Day birthday. And there were a few moments just out of college when I was out and fancy free living in Washington, D.C., where I did have to actually stop and think a little about my consumption, probably Googled how many drinks a week is too many, a few too many times, And I feel like when you get to that point, that might actually just be the answer you need instead of what Google tells you. So with all that being said, one might wonder why anyone chooses to produce alcohol in the first place, making a company out of it, pouring their blood, sweat, and tears into it. And I won't speak for everyone, of course. Some are born into it. Some happen across the classifieds and need a job. I don't know. I know everyone... Everyone's different, everyone has a different journey. That's why I have this podcast to share those journeys. But for me personally, the factor that pushes us into the industry, it was really the love of the flavors. That and just nurturing the amazing process of converting simple sugars into something that could just be really extraordinary. And sure, during market research process, we noticed a hole in the market for easy drinking ciders, something we could really get behind. But it is truly amazing what happens when apple juice meets yeast. I'm sure brewers would say the same thing about their beer and others who ferment for a living. There's a love of a product and a love of the process that you will find behind craft beverages around the world. People have so much pride in the beverages they produce, the ingredients they use, the fermentations they manage. You have heard it so many times on this podcast from producers, salespeople alike. Anyone who is cutting their teeth in the alcohol industry has a deep respect for these products. And honestly, to say that I struggled with starting a company that would be peddling a toxic beverage around the market, I would say is more than an understatement. There were many, many conversations between Alex and I, and we did go back and forth many, many times. There were a lot of questions that I really struggled with did I want to contribute to the alcohol market by making more products for people to buy? What if someone drank too much of our cider and got behind the wheel and something horrible happened? What if our ciders were helping to contribute to someone's drinking problem? My family has struggled with addiction. Why the hell would I jump into the industry that has impacted those I love so negatively? Do I really want alcohol in my life every day? The constant temptation to imbibe. And if the company stays around long enough, is this the legacy that I want to pass on to my children? I know there were more, but those are sort of the big ones that I can remember in my mind. But besides the fact that the alcohol community is full of just really, really great people, it was the love of the craft that finally pushed us into production and starting the company. The concern over overindulgence and contributing to drinking just was always in the back of our minds. Beer and cider festivals, I would say, were probably the places where these two feelings collided the most. There were so many people who came out to sample our products and talk about how they were made and what was in them. They were so fun to do in the beginning as we got to be face-to-face with our audience. It was a great feeling for those of us who didn't have tap room. But then the VIP sessions would end and those festivals became giant shit shows and then our least favorite thing in the world. And we spent countless hours over the years watching people just getting sick on the floor and then going in for more, not caring what it was that they were drinking, just what was the highest in alcohol. Those trying to cram as many all you can drink, like little three ounce pours, into the two or so hours of their event session. And sure, there were security people everywhere, but the vendors were the ones who were looked at to actually police the public, which is just in general, an impossible job when you're the face of this little company you've built and you don't want to piss off dangerously drunk people in large groups. Yeah, These festivals can make you feel so bad about what you do. And our answer, honestly, was just stop going to them. And in January 2020, I actually had a plan to completely cut them from our calendar, except for like maybe two or three that weren't giant dumpster fires. But then COVID did the job for me. It sounds like they're getting up and running again, but I I do not miss them at all. I guess what I'm trying to say, in probably too many words, is that alcohol producers aren't making alcohol for the sake of making more alcohol, to flood the market with more alcohol, for the sake of people drinking more alcohol. To help illustrate this, As producers, we have to put the Surgeon General's warning about the negative effects of alcohol on pregnant women and on anyone wanting to get behind the wheel of anything. It's the Surgeon General's warning. It's on everything that you drink that has alcohol in it. And our federal regulatory agency even tells us the minimum size of the font for the warning so that no one can skirt the requirement by having it like in teeny, 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 tiny type at the bottom. However, we do not have to put, please drink responsibly, on anything. And yet, we all do. Or at least the vast majority of us. And I think this speaks volumes to a general feeling that we all know the potential destruction that our beverages can produce. And we trust that our consumers will make the right decisions for their needs and their thresholds. And that phrase on all of our bottles and cans is us reaching out to our audience and just hoping and praying that they do the right thing for themselves. Because as soon as it's sold, it is really out of our hands. There's a great deal of respect for the product and understanding of its effects on the consumer, and we take that very seriously. Especially if you have a brick-and-mortar location and are serving alcohol, you are taking on the liability of the consequences of all of your patrons. If any of them consume too much and then go and do stupid and dangerous things, that can actually be a very, very scary and potentially financially devastating position if something does actually happen and and goes horrifically wrong, because it could come back to you if you were the last place they visited that night. Which is what makes me so concerned about this temperance movement conversation, We all know what happened the first time around when things got out of control and alcohol got locked down. And I don't want to at all belittle the struggle that many, many people who are battling addiction or the impacts of alcoholism or whatever it's called, alcohol use disorder now, has on those and their families and friends. Believe me, I can speak to that better than some. But I just do not want this to become an us versus them situation where alcohol producers are the ones demonized for the beverages that they create. I hope against hope that this time around it is a more balanced and rational take on alcohol consumption. There appears to be more of a focus on kind of health than on general like morality and public drunkenness like there was before. I'd like to think that this neo-prohibition movement supports those who are interested in just reshaping their lives without alcohol but not at the expense of those who respect it and have staked their lives and their life savings on producing and selling something wonderful. Yet unfortunately, I think that is where it's heading. The renewed temperance movement today assumes that individuals can't make appropriate lifestyle changes. Therefore, to protect people from themselves or to protect society, the state should pass legislation that enforces restrictions to promote health by taking away the individual's personal choice. That's from the Alcohol Problems and Solutions website. And it also provides a list of the measures that they call for as reformers. And these, among other things, include limiting or reducing the number of sales outlets, limiting the alcohol content or proof of drinks, expanding the display of warning signs where alcohol is sold, limiting the days or hours during which alcohol beverages can be sold or served, increasing server liability for any problems that occur after alcohol consumption. Well, that looks like it's, it's aimed at one thing. Then that's businesses. And this is deeply, deeply concerning for someone who has had a business in the alcohol industry. I would say dry January is a good example of how cutting out alcohol completely affects businesses. And of course, it impacts the small businesses disproportionately, causing dramatic reduction in sales during a month that is ugh, already very difficult. Because people want to spend less in January because they blew through so much at Christmas. But then, when an additional group of people bail out of the bar, wait, let's just say the profit and loss statement in January is usually very, very bleak. And the industry knows what it's up against. Some have even tried very creative ways of addressing this. I know the American Cider Association promotes a dry January, providing a list of ciders across the country that are bone dry, which means they have no residual sugar. It's a cute play on words. And it is an attempt to play off on the trend, but also showcase the category in cider that does have less sugar if you are trying to cut back in the new year. I know I've also seen many business friends put together cute little boxes of non-alcoholic beers at their bars or showcase a range of alternative offerings in case you're you know, looking to stay dry but still want to get out of the house. So in summary... I just wanted to make some space to say making alcohol takes a lot of work and a lot of love. And we don't take that responsibility lightly. And for those of you who are looking to cut back or cut out on drinks this month or any month, really, more power to you. I would just appeal to you to maybe still go out and grab a sandwich at your neighborhood bar. Or if you don't want the temptation, swing by quickly and buy a sweatshirt. Or go online and get a gift card for someone special, including yourself, for later in the year. Because these small businesses are the backbone of this country. And they count on us to keep them going. And honestly, they're all just really struggling right now. And they need our help. So with that, I hope that you have a very happy, healthy, and wonderful start to 2023. And let's keep the flow of cider, beer, and wine going safely safely and legally, as we go through the year. And that's a wrap. Thank you to Tony Stuck for the awesome intro-outro music, and to Marianne King for the amazing pot art that you see on every episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review to help out this podcast. Five stars goes a long, long way, and I so appreciate the support. I know it says write a review, and that can be daunting, but... Apparently, Apple isn't asking for a novel. A simple, hey, what's up? Cider is awesome. That would be more than fine. And for more information about me and this podcast, visit us online at othercwords.com. Talk to you soon. And thanks so much for joining me today.